This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe financial technology. In this episode, Peter Horowitz talks to David Buxton, CEO at Arachnus. They discuss cognitive data and intelligence automation. here in London. Peter, who do we have today with us? We have David Buxton from Arachnus. David, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you very much, Peter. To get started, may I trouble you to introduce yourself to our listeners as well as explain how you came to work at uh, Arachnus. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Arachnus. My background is actually as a corporate intelligence professional. I used to conduct investigations in Russia and the former Soviet Union for investors who were buying companies, for big corporates who were screening distributors, and for just companies who were looking to hire people. So I used to help tell them about their risk in those markets. I know from prior conversations that you have a fascinating background and how well aligned it is to the compliance space. One of the problems I'm aware of is how current bank compliance processes and technology are operational based as opposed to being forensic based. Can you share how Arachnus is helping convert operations into better forensics? And that's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, just for context, Arachnus is really a workflow automation platform for KYC and anti-money laundering alert remediation. So anything where you're dealing with kind of exception management coming out of a transaction monitoring system or coming out of a sanction screening system or out of a customer onboarding process, how do you take that human process and make it more effective? It's actually really interesting because the world I come from in terms of intelligence, corporate intelligence, was very much more focused on actually finding the right answer. And it was a bit of a shock for me when I arrived in the kind of world of compliance to find this world where it was really about coming to a reasonable answer based on a time box set of criteria. I think our real priority is to migrate our customers in terms of effectiveness from low effectiveness, high cost processes to much higher effectiveness while not sacrificing anything in terms of of efficiency and while in fact realizing efficiency gains and we do that basically by automating the things that are low skill level or can be easily automated such as sort of data retrieval and by making sure that analysts are given the time to really focus on the high skill items like actually data analysis so what does this particular data point mean in the context of this client relationship rather than focusing on being like basically super good at googling stuff so one of the other understandings i got from you earlier is that arachnus works in tandem with human analysts. Can you share what the ultimate analyst gets from Arachnus and how the human will push the, the work along? So I think that we don't believe in this idea that there's this sort of future where a brain sits at the center of your kind of bank and just decides which customers you're going to onboard and which you're going to say no to. What we do is we give analysts a cockpit in which we marry a business process, like an onboarding process, with the specific criteria to that financial institution encoded into the process. And 
and then marry that by basically parachuting in whatever specific type of data point is necessary or data points are necessary to make whatever decision the analyst is being asked to at a specific point in a process. So a good example is maybe as part of a, as a transaction monitoring process, typically when you get an alert out of a transaction monitoring system, you've basically got two company names which are involved in what your system thinks for whatever reason, there's normally a reason, it's not always a good one, is some sort of suspicious financial activity. And what we do is we give the analyst the tools to make whatever decision is required of them. So the first decision you might need to make is, first of all, can I clear this on the basis that based on what I can see of the world, there's a plausible reason why these two companies might be transacting with each other. So maybe one of them is a publisher and one of them is a paper manufacturer, right? So one of them's like just buying paper to print magazines on, books, whatever. Now that's a perfectly reasonable business relationship and an analyst might well be given the discretion to say, I've enriched both of these profiles, right? To see that one of them's publisher, one of them's paper manufacturer. I can see that that's a plausible business relationship and I'm closing it on that basis. Now at the moment, that exercise of actually enriching the profiles on both sides of that relationship is essentially an exercise left to the analyst. And it's also up to them to demonstrate the actual steps that they went through to do that. And those are two huge big black holes because it leaves the door open for incredibly inefficient processes and it may be that even though you've spent a lot of time and money on actually executing this you're not actually successful at demonstrating to the regulator if they ever come knocking that you have in fact done this because the analyst may forget to evidence the actual specific data points they saw and as you were talking and it occurred to me it's generally all about the data and so i'm assuming that you have a fair amount of data that you're getting from within each bank and you're also enhancing that with external data can you share with our listeners more about how you came to gather the external data and how you determine which was effective and which was not for us it's all about enrichment and validation of whatever information is provided to an analyst in the first place. So that's how we see it. So into the process, you'd have injected from whatever the monitoring system is or whatever, a minimal set of data, sometimes more, sometimes less. And our job is basically to make sure that we can check the things that need checking or enrich the things that you don't get given. You know, what's the nature of business? Is this a publisher? Is it a paper manufacturer, etc.? That won't necessarily be on the customer file. And in fact, if it's not your customer, it won't be anywhere. You'll have to go out and find that. So... The way that we actually handle that data acquisition challenge is we break the world down into basically four types of things. We have captive data, which is our own data, which we can actually feed through and do some very fancy processing and feed to our customers in a way which puts the most relevant things in front of the analyst with the highest probability. We have a very large number of API partners, ranging from the sort of Dow Joneses and LexisNexises of this world, right through to providers of corporate data like Bureau Van Dyke and Dun & Bradstreet, that allow us to map in whatever data sources our customers know and are happy with and subscribe to into their process. And then we have two sets of robotic process automation tools that allow us to precisely mimic, precisely automate existing processes. So we have a cloud-based tool, which allows us to automate processes in the cloud. And we have a browser-based tool, which allows us to basically automate actual users' processes on their actual desktops themselves. And together, what that allows us to do is to map essentially 100% of the things that users could possibly want to do in order to make sure that everything is unified on a single platform. So in terms of answering the user's questions, our strategy is basically to start off by mimicking as accurate as possible what the existing process is for FI because what we found is that to change both what you're doing and how you're doing it is a very very difficult change management problem to solve and it allows for all sorts of failure conditions that are really kind of easy to avoid. What we focus on is a precise replication to start off with of what the existing process is. No matter how many problems it may have it causes fewer problems to precisely replicate it. Sometimes we need to do some pre-work to make sure there actually is a process to replicate but then once we've done that we've basically 
actually got a huge amount of data flowing from our analytical engines of what the process actually is producing. And then that allows us to make changes to how the process works, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's really the kind of operational benefit is the ability to analyze and control and operationalize the insights from the actual process itself. Fascinating. I have one more question. Sure. You, again, you've made great progress in a short period of time with the progress at Arachnus. What do you see next? What are the next big steps that you're going to take with the company in terms of helping banks secure their walls? So there's a couple of milestones, I guess. I break them down, I think, into sales and market penetration, partnerships, and into product milestones. So the sales things, I mean, basically, we've already got a large number, well, a relatively large number of top tier FIs signed up and using the platform. We've already got five, I think, of the world's top 10 global banks on board and operational. We have a large number of accounting firms and we've got very good relationships with a lot of the big four. And we've got a large number of um, other players in the financial crime world, whether they be investigators, etc. So our goal in 2018 is to basically double that, essentially get another five huge banks on the platform. And that's pretty ambitious because the deployments in these types of organizations are pretty serious, but we've got the pipeline to support that. In terms of partnerships, we think that a really important milestone for us is making sure that we can go to market with one of the big four or a similar sort of SI in order to make sure that we can really scale the market that's able to consume Arachnus' services because, frankly, the overhead of deploying simultaneously in multiple tier ones is quite serious. And you know, to cope with the demand we're getting, we really need that, that support. And then I think in terms of the product milestones, what we're much more focused on is taking, I guess, uh, what we see as a paradigm, which is essentially starting with a name and ending up with a PDF, right? That's the sort of like what we would call like a report-based paradigm. You make point judgments on demand, essentially, as a compliance organization about the risk level of your counterparties. Transforming that from a one-off report type paradigm to something where you're basically are maintaining real-time or near real-time entity profiles that are continuously being rescored and re analyzed for risk potential and risk events. And what that enables us to do is to cut out a lot of duplicate work. Some of our customers have told us that as much as 40% of the checks that they do are simply duplicates of stuff they've already done before, but they don't have the tools to work out where that prior art was. Or the world has changed a tiny bit in the meantime, you know, it's three months on. And so there's no easy way of them just seeing the kind of delta between what was there before and what's there now. And so they just like end up just doing the work again. And so this transformation from a kind of report-based paradigm to an entity-based paradigm is the real kind of product change that we're going to market with in 2018. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. No, thank you, Pete. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners' investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting,
consulting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.